Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first, we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during the Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this, being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Fox and the Foxhound. And if you're a longtime Foxy, welcome back. We are Amanda and Kevin Wilson, married people, parents to baby Paris, and we can now say both confirmed Potterheads. Three years ago, we started this podcast as I embarked on reading the series for the first time. To hear his impressions, both of the series and literal impressions along the way, be sure to listen to seasons one through seven. Season eight marks a new beginning for us as we branch out beyond the original seven books. Each week, we will be tackling something new within the Potterverse, character deep dives, themes, and how they present through the series, unlicensed productions, and so much more. If there's something you'd like us to discuss, we will let you know how to reach out to us later in the episode. If you'd like to support the Fox and the Foxhound, we will tell you all about that, too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Fox and Mrs. Fox. Well, wait, what? <laughs> Just to clarify, our last names are not Fox and Foxhound. <laughs> Mr. Foxhound and Mrs. Fox bring you the Fox and Foxhound Hour. Da, 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 da. Magic boys and cocktails, we're going to have a ball. That was nice. That was really nice. And that's it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> and we're done. No, I have top of the show announcements. They have nothing to do with pine wine, which is what we were talking about before we hit nothing the to do with button. which also is not a thing. Yes, we are going to make our own liquor out of pine needles. But anyway, top of the show announcements. <laughs> so next week, we're going to do some more Curse Child. Are you excited? You get to keep reading. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly how much more yet because we haven't read to that point but we'll find another good we stopping haven't point. readed to we that point. Have, oh, are you correcting my grammar yeah incorrectly yes. cool <laughs> um and then next to next week so week after next in a fortnight if you will we're gonna deep dive the golden trio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just thought of something really funny that <laughs> oh, I have no. to tell you. what <laughs> i was at work and a co a beloved co-worker that i actually like <laughs> that I actually like. Yeah, that I actually like. Came over to tell me something really super obvious. Okay. And I said, yes, I've already communicated with that person. And I let that person know. I, I gave that information to them already. And he said, yes, but they contacted you this morning and they didn't hear back. And I said, I was at my house <laughs> because it wasn't work time yet. And even though it wasn't work time, I let the person know, hey, that information's on its way when I come in at nine. Right. And he said, well, that person needs that information. And I said, I know it's nine. I'm also in the future with you. Right. And it was just one of those like, okay, I get it. You told me five times. Yes. I'm sorry that I didn't rush in. He walked away and I went, 
I love the smell of mansplain in the morning. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, it's just like an office space when he has like five different bosses stop by his desk and he's like, the TPS reports didn't have a cover page or whatever. Exactly. Like, and he's like, no, I know the guy. He just told me like, I, I've right. got it. Like I'm yeah. good. And they just pretend like he didn't say anything <laughs> and keep going. And of course, yes, Mike Berbiglia is classic. I know I'm in the future also, <laughs> which is one of my favorite bits. I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can find it. My second and last announcement before we get into the meat on the bone of the episode is that our patrons have voted on February's patrons only off topic episode. Can you like drum roll for me? It's going to be Willow. Yes. The series and the movie? Just the movie. You know, so that we don't have a six hour long episode for. Yeah. And you don't think you've watched any of it? I don't. No, I think I've watched some of it. I don't think I've ever seen it from start to finish. It's like you and the mummy. Right. You know, like I've seen bits and pieces of it. I feel like I know the general story. I feel like if you like The Mummy, you'll probably like Willow because it's action packed. Uh huh. It's an adventure tale. Uh huh. It's not super complicated to keep up with. Yeah. But it also is funny, like The Mummy. I like, yeah, I, I like that. And I mean, I'm a huge Val Kilmer fan. Huge. And we will also have to talk about. The series, just a little summation of the new Willow series. Sure. And and this will be like, our roles are reversed. You will be my my guide and I will be the novice. You will be my pupil. Oh, yes. So I'll just call you Mr. Miyagi the whole time. So what are we talking about this week? Today we're talking about the shipping of... Mrs. Sprout no. and young Draco Malfoy. Oh, no, God. No, that's so inappropriate. <laughs> no, today we are talking about page to screen. Yes. Not what's already been done because we've covered that already, but yes. what we would like to see, what has been rumored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh, boy, do I have some piping hot tea. Mm. Piping hot tea. So, yes, what is the future of screen adaptations of... The Wizarding World, we could just say Harry Potter, but let's be honest, the Wizarding World is a lot bigger than just one little boy, yeah. right? So three days ago, I will link to all of this in the show notes, three days ago, Variety, pretty reputable resource, Variety, reported that currently there are no active discussions with the author about developing another Harry Potter movie. So this is mainly pertaining to Fantastic Beasts at this point. There's supposed to be two more movies for this. Variety goes on to say, there's also currently nothing in the Wizarding World in active development at Warner Brothers, inclusive of both Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts. I also read Eddie Redmayne was was asked like, hey, what's the deal with Fantastic Beasts 4? And he was basically like, you'd have to talk to the author and Warner Brothers. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Which is not a great sign, because you would think they would already be like... His lawyer and his publicist are off camera going, don't fucking say anything. Well, I mean, you would think they would already be filming it if it was, like, at this point... It'd be in the can by now. You know, yeah, like, at this point... Unless they're going to pull some 
Cameron Avatar shit and film like three of them nine years later, but take but seven years to do it. But see, like, that's the thing. You can't in the middle of like Avatar was a standalone movie, right? I mean, like he came back and did another Avatar, but like essentially Avatar, the first one is a standalone movie. This is a series that's very clearly meant to be a series yeah. that they've released three movies of. You would think like even if they started, they inked all the deals and started filming tomorrow it's still going to be another two and a half years before this movie comes out. And it's like, at that point, people are gonna be like, fantastic. What, what, what is this? You know, our attention spans are not that long. (laughs) So I think it's dead. I think this series is totally dead. Quite frankly, I think it's just no one's saying that. And I mean, listen, the author didn't do this franchise any favors her own damn self. Mm. The Johnny Depp thing was not a great look, right? So then they recast the role with Mads Mikkelsen. Then we've got the Ezra Miller thing. It's all just very messy. And it didn't do well. The third one especially did not do well well at the box office. that's what it all comes down to is are we going to blow our wads and not make any money back? Exactly. Studios are not in the business of losing money. Right. So then two days ago... And I just want to preface this by saying, like, hear me out till the end. There was a headline popped up. Our friend Katie posted this in Discord. And it indicated that Disney may be in talks to acquire the Harry Potter franchise, which seems incredibly complicated. Like, what do they do with all the Wizarding World stuff? Like, Universal's working on a whole other park, right? However, however, however. When I dug a little deeper on this, I have yet to find literally any other outlet reporting this at all. There are no links to sources in this original article. There's no, like, You know how it would say like Disney is reportedly in talks and in talks would be a hyperlink to their sort. There's nothing like that. I feel like I would have heard this from one of the six amusement park podcasts that I listened to. There's also like a weird kind of cryptic line at the end of the article that indicates that it may totally be made up. But it's really not written as though it's made up. So I Googled like the actual website and it's it's kind of unclear if this is just a clickbait like satire website but then like when i dug on the website further like they don't seem to represent represent themselves that way i have no idea i would take this with a mountain-sized grain of salt it's also just a fun like cocktail conversation starter for sure this is the type of stuff me and my nerd friends talk about when we get together what if this happened sure i don't think it'll ever happen because universal With their Harry Potter, the different Harry Potter lands that are in Orlando and in L.A. Mm -hmm. or wherever the hell it is. Where is it? It's L.A.-ish. California somewhere. They took shit to the next level. Mm -hmm. They drove Disney to make the whole Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Because they're like, holy shit. Like, this is immersive. Remember when it came out, people were like, it's immersive on a Disney level. But more so. Right. And Disney was like, holy shit. If you look right now, Disney's struggling with, you know, they had this, their old CEO came back. Right. And 
the parks have been criticized for how complicated it is to go to the parks now. Yeah. You've got to reserve a thing, and then you got to get a thing, and then a band, and a this, and a microchip in the back of your head. <laughs> a Chinese weather balloon has to bring you a COVID <laughs> oh shot, God, and all this talk stuff. About right? <laughs> um, and Universal is just, it's about the same price, mm-hmm. and it's just easier. It's just like, hey, you got your ticket? Come on in. And then you just go have a good time. And so they've really given them a run for their money. But those two, their competition is what gives us a better product. Definitely. And that's kind of like, you know, that's what drives the market is competition. Right. You don't want Nike to buy Reebok. Right, right. You know, you don't want Coke to buy Pepsi. Having two giants battle it out drives progress and drives improvement on both sides. Well, and doesn't the FTC literally like ban a lot of those deals? Yeah, if there's monopolies. Right. Because they're also Universal and Disney are publicly traded companies. Yeah. They have shareholders and stockholders and like that gets sticky when you get into that type of stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean... I, I well, let's let's have the nerd conversation. Okay. Real quick. Let's say it happened. Okay. Right. First of all, the logistics don't make any sense. Yeah. It's already weird enough that Universal has Marvel shit in its right. parts. I know. And it's this old grandfathered in IP that no one really, even the way they present it is like, ugh, gross. <laughs> you know. Now they've got Avengers Campus and all of these crazy, you know, Marvel things, but. First of all, the logistics don't make sense. You yeah. wouldn't pick it up and move it. But let's say that Universal had never acquired Harry Potter. Okay. That Disney had acquired Harry what Potter. What would they be doing differently? I think that they would just soften it. And I'm a Walt hugger. I mm-hmm. think they would soften it up too much. I think they would too. Yeah. I, I completely. They would keep it as. They would keep it geared towards the young adult audience, which don't get me wrong, that was the intended audience for the original series. But the original fans are not young adults anymore. You know, like, I think that would be a huge mistake. And young kids are into like, oh, there's Hagrid. Oh, I get my like Al plushie. But they're not going to talk about like the black family and right the gaunts and all this stuff. They, right. they, it's so far over their head. They don't even understand that part of things. Yeah. And Universal's kind of edgy anyway. They do Halloween Horror Nights where they do all these pop-up bars. They sell alcohol yeah. all over the place in Universal. Yeah. You just go get a rum and Coke and walk around with it if you it's want. It's amazing. So it's more in line with Harry Potter. It's like, yeah, we keep it a little dark. Now, here's what I don't understand. What's the hierarchy with like Universal and Warner Brothers? Like, is Warner Brothers just the movie making arm of Universal, like as a company? Or is Universal just the production? Like, I don't know. Is Warner Brothers even associated with Universal? Warner Brothers is associated with the Harry Potter film Um, franchise. I don't know. I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll Way put it to in do the show our notes. research. I know. Seriously. Before we launch well, I didn't, you know, this, it, it, it just popped in my head. I will find out the answer to this and I will put it in the show notes. But yeah, I think that Disney would undoubtedly, they would make an impressive screen adaptation of some kind in terms of the effects, in terms of, you know, I think the storytelling would probably be really good. The pace of it would be good. You know, part of like 
a lot of my problems with the original movie series is the the directors, the writer, the screenplay writer, I don't know if that was the author or not, but they just totally missed the point of the original books. I don't think that Disney would do that, but I do think they would leave out all the darker stuff. Yeah. And you really kind of can't as you get towards the latter part of the series. But they love characters whose parents are dead. They do love characters whose parents are dead. That's a good point. But, you know, isn't that just a hero's journey trope? Right. Also, right? Let's take a quick break from the episode to talk about ways you can support the show, how to contact us, and let us give a couple of big thank yous. Funding for this show comes entirely from our patrons on Patreon. These wonderful people pay for our hosting fees, social media and promotional subscriptions, equipment upgrades and maintenance, and so much more. If you love this show, becoming a patron is the most direct way to support us. Find out more at patreon.com slash the fox and the foxhound. We also understand that money is tight. So if you're looking for a free way to support us, rating and reviewing the fox and the foxhound on Apple podcasts is such a huge help. Not only does it give us the warm and fuzzies, it also promotes the show within Apple Podcasts and helps us reach new potential Foxies. Even if you listen elsewhere, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to reach us, the best way is by joining our Discord server, the FFH Mischief Center. There is a link to join on the homepage of our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com. While you're there, consider sending us a message or a voicemail both are easy to find on the site or email us at thefoxandthefoxhound at gmail.com. Following us on social media ensures you won't miss any announcements about future meetups, episode delays, and more. We're on Twitter at Fox and Foxhound, no thes, and on Instagram and TikTok at the Fox and the Foxhound. You can also find our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound. Finally, we'd like to thank a few very special people. Hannah Gibb, who manages our Discord server and is also a Marauder-level patron. Josh Bailey, our co-producer and manager of Mischief, who is also a Marauder-level patron. Judson Hurd, who composed the original music for our show. And all of our Patreon members. We wouldn't be able to do any of this without all of you. Okay, let's get back to the episode. I have two ideas for a screen adaptation that relates to the wizarding world and neither one of them are cast. Okay. Because I just don't know enough about, especially like younger actors today. I'm just not, I I feel like, I don't know. I can't think of any young actors. I could, and it just, everybody that popped in my head, I was like, oh no, like I I just didn't feel fresh in that regard, but I thought it might be fun for me to, to share my ideas and we can take turns and to have the listeners send back their feedback about who they would cast in some of these roles. So y'all do me a solid and cast my shit for me. Yeah, hook a brother up. Yeah. So do you want me to kick things off? Kick it. Kick it. So my first one, series or movie, I'm going to say a, a series. We, I think we would normally say like TV series, but really everything's on streaming now. So this would be like a streaming series. Think like, I'd like to see it like an HBO Max level in terms of content, right? Like, 
I truly would like to see this idea geared towards an adult audience, period. And the focus is the Order of the Phoenix, both iterations. So it would be two seasons. The first season would be the Order of the Phoenix during the first Wizarding War. You get your Marauder stuff to scratch that itch that so much of the fandom has. And you also get to learn more about the first Wizarding War. And the second season is the second iteration of the Order of the Phoenix and like how it came to be. You get some cool overlap with characters who appear in both. Now, I didn't cast anything, but I will will say that I, in my treatment that I'm giving, right, my, my pilot pitch, I do think that the characters that overlap from season one to season two should be cast with different actors for season one and season two, except for Dumbledore, who should remain the same actor. Sweet. Yeah. Who would you cast as Dumbledore? You know, (laughs) this is really probably such an easy out. And I'm really not typically in the business of casting Americans in these movies, but I cannot get Morgan Freeman out of my head. As Dumbledore? Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like- He's old now. He's old now, but also like, yes, he's very godlike and that's the whole joke with Morgan Freeman. But what I like for him with Dumbledore more than anything is that he's got the little, like, he's so, he's cheeky. Yeah. You know, as an actor, he's he carries off this kind There's of... There's a smirk behind everything. There's a smirk behind everything. And I feel like Dumbledore needs that. I feel like Gambon... I feel like the first actor, Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore in the first two movies, kind of had that twinkle in his eye. Gambon was just a little too intense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, what's your idea? So I want an animated series... There's two different animated series that I want. Maybe you could combine them to the same thing. Okay. I want an animated series that is about the Forbidden Forest. Oh. Right? Like the centaurs. And I don't know if it would be like just the centaurs or if it's like the history of the Forbidden Forest. Oh, man. But I also kind of want to see an animated series that's in the style of Camp Cretaceous. Is that what it's called? Oh, that that, that was Jurassic cool. Park yeah. animated series. It's like drawn cool, but it has the PG-ness of Captain Planet, but with a little bit of danger from dinosaurs. Yeah. Just the whole tone of that. Mm-hmm. I want like that tone of a show. I love that. Either about students, maybe mm-hmm. not even like Harry and them. Right. But students during that same time period oh. and or about the Forbidden Forest. Oh, I think that's such a cool idea. I'd love to get into like the political history of the centaurs since they seem to be like, yeah, you know, they're always like voting and yeah, like really democratic. When are they voting? You know what I mean? They're always like, they're, they're always, always voting. They're always like holding elections and campaigning and <laughs> talking and discussing. There's super like a not. Senate. There's like a Senate <laughs> and a Congress. It's like Star Wars. There's, I don't know where you read any of that, but I have mean, you I, even read this series, <laughs> bro? Have you? <laughs> yeah, like, it took me three years. I, just, I get what you're saying, though. Like, they're very, they definitely seem to have a society 
in and of themselves. They take themselves very seriously. They take themselves super seriously. And I like that your idea is animated because let's face it, like, I don't want to look at CGI centaurs. Like, I feel like it's it would gross. just be super cringe. Yeah, like, exactly. And like with it. animation, there's no end to how creative you can be with the horse pants. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how they would try to tackle that with CGI and like make it like. And we would both be sitting there with our arms crossed looking at each other like, let's see what they do. Right. Which way are they going to go? Right. Are they waistbanding around? Are they going around the back legs? Are they doing (laughs) four legged pair of jeans? If so, how does it stay on? That's a big belt. No, I mean, I think it would probably be a suspender that goes over the back. We're back onto this again. The return of horse pants. Wow. Listen, I think that's a really, really cool idea. I love it. My second idea is actually an idea for a movie, a standalone movie, not a series. I feel like those just end up a mess. See Fantastic Beasts. At all. At all. (laughs) God. So a movie, and I would like the focus to be on the Lovegood family Mm. like starting with xenophilius very young and we would get to like meet luna lovegood's mother and see this like you know she kind of had this sort of mysterious but tragic end where she was very experimental with magic and she ended up like blowing herself up basically and then we could also maybe get a little glimpse into what happens to xeno and, you know, and Luna, although I think we are more inclined to assume Luna's okay after the end of the series, but like, what happened to Xenophilius, you know? So I think that would be kind of cool. I definitely would love to hear people's casting ideas because I cannot get the actor out of my head who played Zeno in the original movies. Like, he's completely fused with Zeno in my head. And I'd love to hear, like, who people would cast as a young Zeno as you know maybe recast the the original timeline Zeno, i'm here for all of it let me ask you this Mm -hmm. is there any room for a musical (gasps) in the harry potter universe is there any space within the universe that you feel like a musical could actually be pulled off and not like be insulting to the franchise fuck um i think Because I hate the sound of kids singing in unison. Yes, you do. What if it's a... um, (laughs) The only thing that popped in my head is like all of Aragog's spider children. Like some kind of spider musical. Eight legs, one heart. (laughs) Eight legs, one heart. No, I mean, all I can think of is example after example of television series that were not musicals that had musical episodes and how horrible and embarrassing they were. Yeah. Like Grey's Anatomy did a musical episode. Like it makes me you want never to rip saw, my skin off. You never saw Cop Rock, did you? No, but so I've seen clips of Cop Rock yeah. because of Gilmore Girls. Right. That's mm-hmm. right. They love Cop Rock. I think. I've seen clips of not Cop Rock somewhere. Pop Rocks. Right. Which are terrifying. Copper, like the clips I've seen, whether it was on Gilmore Girls or somewhere, like I can't place where, why I've seen clips of Cop Rock, but it's the secondhand embarrassment. It gets you. Uh, I love to watch you in that position. Uh, <laughs> just like, I want to film you watching it. It it makes me want to like 
crawl into myself and hide until it's over. So I keep feeling that way about a Harry Potter musical. I mean, what do you think? I almost feel like you could pull it off if it was comedic. Sure. But But how? like, what are you doing? But then what are you doing? I, I would be supportive of it. There's a Back to the Future musical now. And I'm terrified. What? Like on Broadway? I don't know if it's on Broadway or off Broadway. It's it's going on. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, listen, they brought Harry Potter to Broadway and that shit still isn't a musical. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it's probably for the best <laughs> that it's I'll tell you why it wouldn't work. Musicals, in my opinion, only work when this it's not it's not fair for me to say only work most of the time the format of a musical is that everything else is totally normal it's just that everyone sings and dances in unison right. and that's the only suspension of disbelief but now you're going to have a magic school or a world with magic like you're already suspending the audience's disbelief yeah, there's no need and for everyone it. sings and dances in yeah. unison like what is happening yeah you know what i think is compelling in terms of like what I would like to watch, like my first idea or even the second one with Zeno, but my first one with the Order of the Phoenix, like I think what would be interesting is to see real adults who speak like adults, who have adult problems, who are engaged in violent and bloody wars, even though I hate violence, but maybe magical violence, I wouldn't mind as much. Um, And they're just like us. They just happen to be able to do magic, you know, like yeah. I think that's compelling. So to answer your question, no, I don't think there's a way for there to be a Harry Potter musical. So my second one that I want is also a series. Okay. And think of the, the tone and the acting quality of Halt and Catch Fire. Holy shit. You've got me. With the darkness of the Godfather. Oh, God. And it's just about the House of Black. <gasps> and it's just a history of the Black family. Oh, my so God. So even the opening sequence could go in through the grim old place or wherever the hell they are, where the Black apartment is, you know. Yeah. Could go in. The camera could, like, go through the keyhole and come in on that tapestry. <gasps> and that tapestry has all of these names. And in each episode is a different backstory. And it like lights up <gasps> and you can get the whole history of the black family. It was really, really good God acting. Damn it, it would that be sounds like amazing. Dark. Yeah. And, it would and have a to little be. dry. A little boring even. That sounds incredible. I would watch the shit out of that for sure. Maybe Universal will steal it from us the way they stole my brother's um creature from the Black Lagoon ride idea. <laughs> But that's a different Listen, episode. I totally forgot about all that. Oh, my God. Don't they owe your brother like a ton of money? Oh, yeah. We're going to get paid. <laughs> As his counsel, I'm going to make sure that. <laughs> you are not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> then why do I always sign my name, Kevin Esquire? Because you make that choice to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Proctor and Admiralty. Because that, which is a maritime lawyer, which is another <laughs> choice that you make. Yeah. yeah. So we had some listener feedback. And I would love to share what their thoughts were. This occurred all on Discord. If you ain't in our Discord server, it's definitely the place to be. So Toya was the first one to share some ideas. And here's what she said. She said, I don't have particular dream casting, 
although I think it should stay an all-British cast for the Hogwarts folks and associated community, but I would love it to be a multi-season TV series like Game of Thrones or whatever, one season per book. I'd love to see Hermione as Black and Harry as mixed race with Black ancestry. His ancestor did create relaxer, like literal relaxer after all. That's how like in Pottermore, that's how the Potters got wealthy is yeah. the Sleekeasy's hair solution. Um, Toya also said, I want to see an expansion of the world into including the other schools, like the American oh, Wizarding School. Like, yeah. That would be incredible. And Toya also said, I would love age appropriate casting. How much sadder it would be to have to see how young Lily and James are or were to have 11 year old Harry, like truly an 11 year old, see the 21 slash 22 year old faces of his parents in the mirror of Erised. And then the 17 year old Harry walking to his death alongside parents who look damn near the same age. Whoa. That would be Amazing. And that's how it's written. That's what's intended in the mind's eye of the person reading it. It's just for some reason they cast literal 47-year-old people as Lily and James Potter. Like, listen, I think they do a good job. They think we're dumb. They think twice the age. They're not going to know that this is Harry's parents unless we make them a lot older. They're not going to know. Right. They're not going to get it. They're idiots. Oh, my God. Selling popcorn. So Pete had, our very dear, sweet Pete Collins, had a couple of thoughts. Pete said, Taryn Edgerton, and it is Edgerton. I looked it up. For Lupin in a recast, you may not know Taron Edgerton by name, but he's the one who played Elton John in Rocket Man. Mm. Looked exactly like Elton John. He's young, but remember, Lupin is when we first meet him in the original series, he's like thirty-four. Like he's, yeah. he's really quite young. It's just that when they cast him and Sirius and Snape. Like everybody else, they cast them way older for whatever reason. Pete also said he's with you on an animated series. So he said an animated series like Star Trek's Lower Deck that follows the misadventures of a band of ragtag Hufflepuffs. He thinks that, that would be would swell. Be fun. Doesn't that sound like fun? And Andrea said... One TV show season per book would definitely be amazing. It would also give them time to show some other houses or characters so it isn't so Gryffindor heavy. We could have an episode where we follow the Hufflepuffs or the teachers and learn more about the other characters. And Andrea also said she would like to see some Slytherins that are a bit more well-rounded. Yes. So it sounds like, I mean, all three of them are really kind of going in the direction of Let's make a screen adaptation of the original series, but here are some things that should be different. And yeah, I really have to say, Toya nailed it with there has to be more diversity when, and I say when, this ends up being adapted to the screen yeah. again, because it will happen. I realize that Fantastic Beasts is definitely dead, but if any of us think that whether it's Warner Brothers or whoever is not going to make more money by making more Harry Potter content, like, of course they are. It's just not going to happen right now. And they probably need to wait a little bit of time for the Fantastic Beast stink to wear off. I mean, look at the Star Wars movies. It took right. them a long time before they came out with another one. I mean, what was the last Star Wars movie? The first one came out, I want to say, in 77. So when did the the third movie came out? 
81? 80, 81? Okay, so it was I 17 no idea, but... years before you got the prequels. Mm-hmm. And the prequels come out, and then it's like 15 years yeah. before you get all the other ones. Like, it's That's just going to take time. But I think it's, yeah. you know, someone's going to get a hold of the rights that has the legal permission to, like, go hog wild with it. But I'll tell you, the really unfortunate thing and I know this is not a boat that I'm sitting in alone, is my perfect world scenario is that in some way, I don't know how this would happen, but the author is not going to make a dime anymore from it. Like, didn't George Lucas sell, like, Star Wars? Like, doesn't he, like, no longer make royalties off of Star Wars stuff? I think that he sold the licensing and everything. Right. So he like, and I mean, sure, there's still a way he makes money. But what I mean is like, for instance, this new video game coming out, Hogwarts Legacy, like I will not play it. I I will not purchase it. I It's not going to happen because I can't do that in good conscience. So it's like all of these are really fun scenarios. But I think, and I don't want to speak for any of our friends in Discord, but I think for me... In my kind of dream casting and, and dream, you know, adaptation land, this is also a land in which the author would not profit off of any right. of this, yeah. you know. So I think that needs to be said. Any final thoughts about adaptations to the screen before we move on? Okay, so I asked you about a musical. Mm-hmm. You know I like to get weird with this stuff. Yes, you do. I Can you see any, even if it's just a live action series, mm-hmm. can you see a room for any sort of puppetry, like some really good wow. puppetry going on? Oh, you. Uh, I mean, maybe like the Thestrals would be very cool yeah. as... And there's some practical effects in the films. Yeah. What about a full-on Muppets Harry Potter? You know how there's like Muppet Christmas Carol? Mm Mm-hmm. What if we just did a Muppets Harry Potter? Okay. Like Kermit is playing (laughs) Harry Potter, right? And Hermione's played by Miss Piggy. But mm, I feel like like Miss Piggy should play like Ron. (laughs) I don't know why, but just Ron's a little bit more of a sycophant. What's that mean? Like a, like a eager to please, like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, that's probably a terrible way to define sycophant, but I've always like wondered what that word means and just didn't look at it. <laughs> so, okay. Here's my thing with the Muppets. I don't know if you, I, I don't really get it. I don't get <sighs> Of like, course you don't get the Muppets. I don't get uh, why everyone loses their minds over the Muppets. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's it. another thing where you are of an age that you missed out on how big the Muppets were. I mean, I guess. The Muppet show. It's time to start the music. Yeah. It's time to light the lights. I just don't, I don't The get Muppet it. Show was really big. Mm-hmm. And they had all of these, it was a variety show that had a guest star on it. So it'd be like, on tonight's The Muppet Show, it would be 
Whoever's fucking big. Elizabeth Taylor, like Dolly Parton. Yeah. Whoever. Muppets Take Manhattan was huge. Yeah. The Muppet movie. No, the Great like, Muppet Caper. I know Caper. about all these things. Like, yeah. I, I'm aware. It's of just like, an old, old IP. But it's, it goes, my lack of understanding goes further than that, though. It's it, like, I don't, I just don't understand, like, the appeal <laughs> of the puppets. puppets. <laughs> like, in general? In general, really, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you don't really like puppets. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I don't get, like, what I'm supposed to be getting from it. <laughs> like, am I, am I... <laughs> Am I watching this? Am I watching these puppets and with whimsy? Am I watching these puppets with a true suspension of disbelief? Am I watching these puppets as a slapstick comedy? I don't understand like what I'm supposed to be getting from it. I don't get I think it. You haven't had enough puppet experience, so you don't know. I don't know how if to I want it. puppet experience, if I'm being honest. Like <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. No, I will say. Are you creeped out by puppets? No, they don't. What about the marionette puppets that like are really articulating and they'll like sit down and play a piano and they they look like they're tying their shoe and shit. They don't creep me out. I just feel nothing (laughs) when I look at them. You're an anti-muppite. I'm not. I'm not. I I feel no adversarial feelings against puppets or Muppets or whatever. (laughs) I just used to call them the Muppets. (laughs) The Muppets. I I have no ill will towards any of them. I just feel Muppets. I just feel nothing. See, I don't think that's true because you said, I don't have anything against puppets. Like it was just a word. And then you said, or Muppets, like with this like air quotes. Because because, maybe this is part of my problem is that the word Muppet is so close to the word puppet that I don't know what they're trying to say. Like, are they trying to say, we're not like other puppets? Because no one wants to watch a show called fucking puppets. <laughs> but couldn't it be called like the razzle dazzle ringdings? Like, right. Why does it have to? I just don't understand it. I don't get it at all. I don't. I don't understand. Oh. And, it, and I I hate things Jim like that Hitchens. because it. I, <laughs> I I hate things like this because it makes me feel like I'm not I'm truly not comprehending something which makes me feel <laughs> stupid. And be, like I don't I have no judgment towards them or judgment towards fans of them. I, don't, I just uh, don't understand I it. I can't put into words <laughs> why it completely makes sense to me how you feel about the Muppets. Like I can't describe it, but it's totally makes sense to me. It's just if you just if someone had just asked me in conversation, hey, what do you think Amanda thinks about the Muppets? <laughs> I think I would just start cracking up laughing. Like I don't even see those two in the same room. Well, like, okay, so you have Sesame Street, but Sesame Street is a children's show. Like it's the target audience, like, I get it. I get why they are puppets in Sesame Street, because it's fun, and they're kind of like cartoons come to life, and it's for children. The Muppets ride the line between children and adult entertainment. You don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like adult cartoons. I d- like, not in terms of, like, animated series, but, like, 
Family Guy, you know, like The Simpsons, King of the Hill, I all that hate, stuff. It's so yeah. like, and now that is so far into the line of like towing the line between children and adult. Like, I I do have adversarial feel. Like, I have true dislike for those shows that you just listed off. They they give me the creeps. I don't like it. <laughs> uncanny Valley. It's Uncanny Valley. I feel, I do not feel creeped out by the Muppets. I just don't <laughs> understand. I like how you say Muppets, too. <laughs> how do we say Muppets? <laughs> the P has such a little ping to it. <laughs> Muppets. <laughs> What am I supposed to say? Mubbins. There's just disdain in your voice. Like, I don't know how to, how to say okay, it. Okay, I'm going to say it as neutrally. Muppets. <laughs> Why did you look down at the down your nose? Like, yeah. I, d- I don't get it. So, maybe, no. Maybe no we puppets. need to watch Muppets Take Manhattan. Why? And then you'll understand what the deal is with the Muppets. Will I? Will I? Oh, the movies are going to really mess you up because in the movies, like Muppets Take Manhattan, they have this variety show and they want to take it to New York and like get really big. But everyone treats the Muppets like, like, like they just talk to them like they're, That's what you, I don't you know what I mean? Get. That's it's what like, I don't get. But they reference that. You know, it's like, listen, listen, Kermit, I understand your proposal and I've taken it very seriously. And these are like famous actors and stuff, you know? For God's sake, man, you're a frog. So they don't recognize them as like, they recognize them as what they are. You're a frog. You're a pig. You're a dog. You're a horse. But they're not those things. They're puppets. And also. They're puppet facsimiles. Who are they? Where do they come from? Why are they this way? I don't. It like further can be. Why are they this way? Why are they puppet facsimiles? Like, I don't want to have to think that hard about it, man. Like, oh, God. I don't understand. Like you say they want to take their show to New York City. Who is they? Like, who are they as a collective, as a society? Who are they? What do they believe in? They're, I don't fucking know. They're the motherfucking Muppets, son. That is a tautology. Yeah, I can't say, who are the Muppets? And you go, they're the Muppets. That's not an explanation. I'm too, I'm like, I don't know. I'm too like concrete of a thinker for this to make any sense to me. <laughs> You're right. It's a really hard pitch. If Jim Henson wasn't, so, this is what makes him such a brilliant artist is he created this world that everyone just believes in without having to over everyone, <laughs> how to over explain everything. I like Emmett Otter. It's so funny, hun. I like Emmett Otter. We need to watch Muppets Take Manhattan. I think that I don't think you understand that it's a com like that it's a comedic it's a comedy troupe. No, I mean I I get it. I, I think I understand. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I don't get it. I don't get the Muppets. <laughs> Listen, I don't have anything wrong with puppets or muppets. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I did not say it like that. I've had two mint juleps, okay? Oh my god. It's time for our gifts of the pensive. Huh? <laughs> 
Why would you make that sound? This show has really devolved into something completely different. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck, actually? What's your gift of the pensive this week, my dear? My gift of the pensive is a continuation of a little conversation we were having earlier. Okay. Which was inspired by a conversation I had with my pastor friend that lives in Dallas. Uh-huh. And that is, sometimes you need to focus on the small picture. Yes. I love that one. Someone who gets bouts of anxiety, mm-hmm. just fired out of the sky for no reason. Sure. Sometimes it's helpful for me to look at the small picture. And for me, what that looks like is reading. Yeah. Putting together a puzzle. Yeah. Like you do Legos. Yeah. You know, that's small picture stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't owe it to the world. This is what I'm learning <laughs> through Lots of therapy. <laughs> you you don't owe it to the world to ponder human existence and life and death and God and the universe all the time. Right, right. In fact, that's not what we are. Right. Yeah. And it's helpful to look around at the birds and the trees and the frogs that are hopping around and just looking at animals or our cats. Yeah. And like, I'm just existing in time and space, without the anxiety of the mystery of it all. Right. Sometimes you just got to look at the small picture. Yeah. And I think what the author does really well with the series is that in between these huge moments of life and death and love and betrayal, you do get these small moments, like being in the greenhouse in herbology class. Yeah. Or... Quidditch practice. Yeah. Or, you know, Fred and George bring things lighthearted and make you think about silly candies. You know, we have conversations on our podcast about, you know, you make yourself invisible and look at people naked. Can you (laughs) blow up a bridge with a wand? Like all of these grand things. What does it mean to be in a wizarding world? Mm -hmm. But it's fun to come back down and look at the little stuff. I think that's what Universal does so well is that they focus on. Yeah. Some of those little things, but they don't forget about the overreaching, overarching giant I think global you, picture of you it. You just all. nailed that. I think that's why it works. Like especially Diagon Alley as like the theming of it. I mean, like even the shop windows that are not real shops, like you can't actually enter them. But every single thing has a detail, has a yeah. I mean, like there's a lot of fun to be had just by looking at all the little things right in front of you. And the larger story is in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. My gift of the pensive, I've been thinking a lot about, there's no, fuck. I'm just going to let you make the joke. I've been thinking a lot about Harry's wand in book seven. I've been thinking a lot about Harry wands. (laughs) Oh, gross. You've but, heard of these. Let's let's go ahead and go off the rails here for a minute. Great. Send the Hogwarts Express right in some field in Scotland. Okay. You've heard of um, adult, cover your ears, tiny children, <laughs> adult um, sexual toys and devices that are themed around fantasy creatures, right? You know that these exist. No. What do you, give me an example. Dragon dong. Think Sasquatch unit. What is it? How does it differ from human units? Shape 
it's a creative shape that someone has imagined this is what this would look like if it belonged to this animal. I'm genuinely not familiar with this, and I'm a little weirded out that you are. <laughs> I keep my ear to the street. Oh, okay. Okay. Yikes. Like, I, all I can imagine is, like, a curly cue. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them in the show notes. We'll put 10 links to the best sites in the show no, notes. No, we will not. Okay, let's move on past Dragon Dogs. What do you have? Okay. Harry's wand in book seven, I'm sure you remember when Bathilda Bagshot, who's really Nagini, attacks Harry and Hermione in Godric's Hollow, his wand gets broken. And he does end up fixing it at the end of the book. When I say I'm thinking about Harry's broken wand, I'm not thinking about the bullshit end of the movies where he breaks the elder wand. Like, what the fuck? No, I'm thinking about his actual wand that gets broken. And... I'm starting to discover through a lot of therapy, <laughs> just like you right, said, yeah. how many of my emotions were fixed when I was growing up, which I think really sent me the message that they were broken in the first place. Oh, insightful. You know, like, and this is, some, trust me, I did not come to this insight on my own. This was in working with a really wonderful therapist. Um, as as loving of a gesture as it was when I was growing up, it I very much grew up with the message that if you're feeling anything other than happy, then something is broken and it must be fixed. And so that has kind of fucked me up in a lot of ways. And I'm just kind of on a journey, a very early part of the journey of trying to increase my tolerance for uncomfortable emotions and trying to figure out what to do with them, you know? Yeah. And if anything needs to be done with them, see, like, even the way I talk about it, I'm like, what to do with it, what to do about it. (laughs) So I'm trying to like, like I said, I'm early in the journey. Okay. (laughs) That's beautiful. I will say to anyone who does not have children, who's thinking about having children, (laughs) If you do not want to involuntarily have your mind deep dive into your own childhood, don't have a kid. Right, right. There's something about it. It's yep. almost spiritual, mm-hmm. biological, psychological. I don't even, it's supernatural almost how it happens. But something about having a child, it it refreshes your childhood brain. Yeah. There are things that I haven't remembered about my childhood until she was born. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to think about those things. Yeah. But for some people, that's a good journey. They need to go back and look at those attachment patterns and definitely look at things in a different way. My therapist is big into schema therapy, which like I remember vaguely learning about it in graduate school, but like we didn't really spend a lot of time on it in my program. But schema therapy is all about like the schemas that you learn, you know, growing up. And I mean, my knowledge of it is very basic and we've really just started that kind of thing, but definitely have uncovered a schema of like negative emotions, bad or uncomfortable emotions, bad, like was definitely a schema for me growing up. This is probably why you don't like the Muppets. Do you think it all ties together? Do I have a schema of hating the Muppets? (laughs) Yes. Okay.
It's time for Patronus Moments. Patronus Moments of your life. <laughs> that O was way too long. I was trying to go like kind of 70s singer-songwriter, but I got stuck on the O. You got real stuck. Yeah. Well, I will lead this off. It's not so much one moment, but something that has very much increased in frequency over the last week or two. And that is the absolutely insane, but still adorable, wide open mouth baby kisses yes that our daughter is doing i mean like she leans in with her tongue half hanging out as though she is going to french kiss your mouth yes and And she licks your cheek and she licks your cheek or in she started just going straight for the mouth with me and it reminds me of this aunt that i had growing up god rest her soul she's no longer with us but she would like insist on kissing you on the mouth (laughs) <laughs> and like it, it was a long running like joke in my family of like how you can avoid it like, yeah how you can subvert i would have just went right in i would have slipped <laughs> a little tongue just to see if she would reciprocate you know jesus christ making out with my aunt i'm not not making out with your aunt oh my god should we talk about you slept on the train <laughs> yes. real quick yes we should so <laughs> when i was a young teen probably 14 years old, me and my best friend Eric were hanging out with my neighbor Amy, who was 13 at the time. And I had just been on this trip with a friend. Remember when I told you about going to the Christian camp? Yeah. Right? This was the same family brought me on this mountain vacation. Oh, okay. And we stayed in this tiny little town called Dillsboro, North Carolina. That's up in the mountains. I thought you were going to say something else. And the, <laughs> it must be all the creature dong we were talking about. Dragon Dillsboro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What's wrong? So, What's wrong with us? And there's a train that runs through the town. Mm-hmm. And it's a train that you can just hop on and take a little pleasure cruise through the mountains. But I was talking to my friends and I was telling them it was so awesome. We stayed in this cabin up on the hill <laughs> and you wake up in the morning and you can hear the train in the distance. <laughs> and my neighbor, Amy, who we just like, she's not a ditz, but we sort of like made fun of her as if she was a ditz. She went. You slept on the train? Ah! Right? I was like, no. Like, you didn't keep up with this. Like, no, I didn't sleep on the train. Like, you'd hear the train in the distance. Well, we, like, never let her live this down. Sure. And so it became a thing for us to say back then was, you slept on the train? Ah! Yes. And anytime anyone would say something stupid. Well, that, for 30 years, this is a thing that has, like, I say it is kind of in my family. Oh, it's you know. become the language of our house. Right. Like we say it all the time. So today I'm changing our tiny baby's diaper and she's going. Ah, ah, she makes that noise a ah, lot now. Yeah. Ah. And I just said off of out of nowhere, you slept on the train. And she went. Ah. And I was like, wait a second. Is this a thing that you've learned to do? And so then I tested it. You slept on the train and she went. And then I called you in, and you did it, and you saw that she did it. Yes. We were dying. Like, we laughed so hard, we scared her. Like, the poor thing. She started crying because we were laughing so hard at her. Oh, my God. And so, coming back from the mall today, you know, Sunday is always daddy-daughter-mom, our daddy-daughter-mall date. Yeah. Uh, We were coming back from the mall. She was completely quiet, staring out the window. And I said, Paris, you slept on the train? And she went, uh. (laughs) 
So do you know that I say that to her a lot? No. Yeah, I say it because she makes that noise. I don't even realize I'm saying it half the time. It's just when you're around an 11-month-old, you... You're like, oh, really? What else? Tell me more. And so she'll make that sound. And very often I find myself going, you slept on the train? Ah!" Yeah. And she knows it now. I guess she's picked it up. It just cracks me up because like, it's certainly not something I've been teaching her, but it's, it's probably the first example we've seen of something she's just absorbed Yeah. That we didn't realize she was paying attention to. I can't remember the term for it, but there's a term for a family's collective inside language. Oh, God. And that's what she's learning. She's learning our inside familial language. She really is. It's like in your family, there's things like, I passed it. I didn't have it. I passed it. it. I didn't have it. Yep. From that's Ernest T. Bass from. So my Patronus moment, um, I had a few to pick from. It's not you slept on the train. Ah, ah. That could be it. Was at the mall today, We, when I walked in with Paris, we go through the same department store, we park in the same place. I'm a townie, I do everything the same way. And I walked in, and there were two associates of the department store that it's retail's dead, they've got nothing to do. <laughs> and they're just kind of standing there. Cheerful. And the one woman goes, oh, look at you, to the baby. And she's like, you going to do some shopping? I said, yeah, we're going to do some shopping. You know, we come out every Sunday. She's like, oh, so nice to see you. So we go walking along through the mall and then we come back out through the same department store and we're looking at some shirts that we, I'm, I'm one of these people that looks at something and then I walk around and I come back and look at it again to decide if I'm going to buy it. Oh, I'm aware. And it also yeah. has to be like 70% off for me to buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Miserly. Like Ebenezer broke. <laughs> and we I realized that where I'm looking at shirts is the same lady is behind the counter. And she's like, Oh, did you find you something? And like, oh, I we're thinking about getting this shirt. Anyway, I bought myself a Taylor Swift shirt. Right. A it, Taylor Swift shirt? It's the pattern looks very similar to this flannel that she wears. In one of the video, it's a Taylor Swift shirt. Anyone knows them? It's Taylor Swift flannel, guys. Okay. You don't know about the pattern. You don't know about the general color scheme. It's a Taylor Swift flannel. Okay. You know, think evermore. Anyway. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Or or is it folklore? I don't know. I don't know. Flannel sounds more like folklore. I don't know. I'll put a picture. We'll put a picture of me wearing it. Yeah. In the show notes. We will. We will. Yeah. I promise. Anyway. She was like, oh, did you find something? She kind of scared me because I didn't know she was that close to us. Like damn. standing behind her little, like, damn, Moogie, are you in my backseat? So, That's another language of her household. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, we're going to get this shirt. It's 97% off. <laughs> and she was like, look at her trying to look at me. And then she was saying how she's cute. Is she a good baby? She was telling me about her daughter. Good babies and, all and this bad stuff. babies. And, uh, it drives me nuts. But... Uh, she kept saying her name to our kid, and I just thought it was so cute the way she kept saying to Paris, like, you know, yeah, are you trying to say hey to Miss Gaynell? I think that was her name. <laughs> Miss Gaynell, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but she brought, she came back around the corner, around the counter yeah, to, like, actually see the baby in person. But she brought my bag with her that had my shirt in it, but she didn't hand it to me. She was holding on to it. Like, I'm going to 
I'm going to hold on to this until I'm done. Until you pay your baby tax. Yeah, until I'm done looking at the baby and then you can have it. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like kind of talking to her and I'm thinking like this is so awkward. <laughs> like is she going to give me my shirt or like what's going on? Anyway, it's a Patronus moment because she was so sweet. Yeah. And Paris really liked her. And you could really? tell that Paris was like intrigued by her. And she had crazy hair oh. and she was really outgoing. And Did Paris actually smile? At her? No. Oh, okay. No, she's not. She's our kid. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't smile at anybody. Okay. She doesn't smile at strangers. No, she super doesn't. Yeah. But I was just really happy in that moment. And what really sparked it for me is when I walked in and I was pushing her in the stroller, I got hit with this memory of when I was a little kid, my granddad would always, he lived right by the mall, same mall that I was at today. Yeah. He would, let's go out to the mall. And so we'd run up to the mall. This is what you do in the South. You run, you up, run to the up mall. somewhere. Yeah. You run up to the mall and you go knock around. Yeah. <laughs> so we would go run up to the mall and knock around. But this is before the softer side of Sears, right? So we're going back. Oh my God. Got that's a throwback. Longtime fans of the show. If you remember my obsession with potty caps, <laughs> this is in the harder side of Sears where the they had where they had potty caps. And they had riding mowers, a lot of riding mowers. Like, it was a riding lawnmower showroom. I remember sitting on riding lawnmowers and my grandmother's brother, whose name was Norton, Mm. who was like 6'4", 6'5", he was a salesperson at the harder side of Sears, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so what we would do is we would run up there, and my granddad would go talk to his brother-in-law. You'd knock around. While he was at work. Yeah. He'd go up and have a conversation with him 10 or 15 minutes, and he'd let me... Sit on the riding mowers and look at potty caps. <laughs> Strange child. You know, yeah, seriously. But I used to love that feeling. And it was always around. So my granddad would get off work at five. We'd always have dinner around six. And back in the days before retail died, the mall was open until nine every single night. Yeah. And so we would go up there around maybe like 630 or seven. So I remember in the summertime, like the sun's just kind of starting to go down. And it was the same time of day that we were at the mall. And I just remember walking in and the fluorescent lights hitting me and like that feeling of being a kid. Yeah. And I was already getting sort of those nostalgic vibes as I was walking around. I was like, oh, I'm getting a big like, you know, going to the harder side of Sears (laughs) nostalgia vibes. And then we stop and talk to this lady. And here I am like. Like my granddad. Yeah. With a kid in the stroller, just chatting it up with some lady in Sears. And it was one of those, you know, nostalgia buzz. Oh, that's really nice. I love that. Well, I've did- never been called short-winded. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think that anyone's ever been called short-winded as it's not really a term. Did you invite anyone to shout out our marauders today? Yeah, I was thinking about the Forbidden Forest uh-huh. and how scary it is. It's almost like if you went on walkabout in the bush, watch out for the crocs. Oh, my God. It's the ghost God. of Steve Irwin. The ghost of Steve Irwin. R.I.P. God, I miss Steve Irwin. Here we are, deep in the rainforest, <laughs> and we got a Mave Richards. Could be of the Coyote Jerish variety. <laughs> Look, up in that tree. Stop, stop, just a minute. Look at the tree. It's a wall, blue raven. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
<laughs> Listen, like, I'm suitably impressed. Here's a porcupine I kept as a pet. I call her Samantha Tillman. <laughs> Look at the beauty of this creature. The pure prestige. I'm going to name it Lindsay Prestige. <laughs> Melissa, are you a crocodile hunter? <laughs> I will say so far, this one not veering into poo. So. <laughs> Good job. Wait for it. <laughs> Olive under the name of Sanders. <laughs> Nick Tillman, be still, man. There's a croc behind you. <laughs> No, it's good. Natalia Ward. Do you have anything to ward off the cross? <laughs> Is he now afraid of the crocodiles? Huh? <laughs> Kelly Moore. <laughs> Kelly. I'm going to be my pants. No. <laughs> Kelly Moore, more crocs. <laughs> Chris White must be an albino croc. <laughs> Amber Biggs, how big do crocs get? <laughs> Faith Kenfield, I hope she has faith. I know what I'm talking about with crocs. <laughs> Is that somewhere at about like just after Samantha Tillman, everyone, everyone just starts getting one singular focus. <laughs> Brand Brown, nice city, no cross. <laughs> Daniel Marks, you got good marks in epitology. What is that? <laughs> Jennifer Ayres, less air on the side of caution. <laughs> Could be Crocs around. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Mallory Gallagher, more like Mallory Alligator. <laughs> Josh Bailey, welcome to the Ministry of Munching. Munching on your leg. <laughs> Watch out as a croc. <laughs> I think we got it, Steve. Dean Heath, keep pounding, pounding on that water, and you're going to attract some crocs. <laughs> Sneaking through the forest, a rare Heather Bevels. <laughs> she comes up right behind one of the most famous and infamous and elusive creatures in the forest, a Pete Collins. <laughs> Pete's here with his buddy, Michael Terry. <laughs> Terry. Pete says, Michael Terry, isn't it scary that we're surrounded by crocs? <laughs> Nailing the energy, I have to say. Kit and Demi, a couple of punk rock crocs. <laughs> Aries Jicks, watch a bet, Jick. <laughs> My favorite animal, Down Ender. <laughs> Besides a croc, is the elusive Sophie Badger. Badger. Stephen McCabe, you better put that croc in a Stephen McCage. <laughs> Some people wonder where I get my killer hats that I wear on the show. They was made by Katie Allen. <laughs> yes, lifted millinery. We'll link to it in the show notes. I'd like to have one made out of Allen Gator. Allen Gator. 
Katie was our extra shout out for this week. Thank you, Ghost of Steve Irwin. All I can think of is like the the TikTok trend of I know, which I can't do very well. Boy, his children have really gone on to have great careers and honor his legacy. And they are as good. Yeah. If not better than he is. Yes. Bindi Irwin became a mom right around the time Paris was born. I think her baby might be like a couple months older than Paris. I just remember I was like pregnant when she had her baby. Um, and Robert, is that the son's name? He's got like a great social media presence and he's like, oh, he's so sweet and darling. And I think Steve Irwin was almost like a bodhisattva. Ah, yeah, in yeah. In the sense that he, his entire life's devotion centered around his compassion mm-hmm. for wildlife and protecting wildlife. It wasn't just an act. You know, he was a true scientist and a true conservationist. He really was. I mean, what a loss. Like, yeah. Love but Steve he, Irwin. You know, that's the risk that he took. He Absolutely. always knew that he was in grave danger. He took yeah. the necessary precautions that people would make and... You know, it's calculated risk. Yeah. It's like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine years ago that's a big surfer. And he said he was surfing 16 feet waves, 16 foot waves in Australia. Jesus Christ. I was like, man, I won't go out if it's past three and a half feet, four feet, it's too much, or bodyboard, whatever. I, I can't do it. And he's like, yeah, the biggest thing I'd ever gone out in was about 12 feet. And that was really, really super scary. Yeah. And 16 feet was too much for me, but it was about the height of what I'd go. And I'm like, how do you, how do you get there? And he was like, well, everything's a calculated risk of like what you want your life to be. Yeah. To me, do I love surfing enough to build up to a 26 foot wave? No. Right. But I love surfing enough to hit about a 16 foot wave. That's about how much I love it. That's about how much I'm willing to risk yeah. for the fun of what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Steve Irwin. RIP. Pour one out. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen immediately next in Cursed Child when we pick it up next week? What do you think is gonna gonna be the next thing? There has to be some kind of hook. I have not continued reading either. You like haven't I told you I was going to. So you feel like am I interpreting correctly? That you feel like the story hasn't really started yet. Right. Yeah, you're correct. The story has not started yet. I think that we're going to see Scorpius starting to discover some dark aspects of his own personality Mm. that he's not really comfortable with. Interesting. Okay. Well, we will find out. We will find out. Do you have any parting words for our listeners before we sign off for this week? It's not easy being green. Colors of the flowers in the trees. Yeah. I still don't get it. Why don't you like us? (laughs) I don't dislike you, Kermit. I just don't get you. Oh, she doesn't like us. (laughs) Which one is that? (laughs) 